Welcome to the podcast of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. I'm your host. I'm Professor Daniela Ionescu from Yulio Hatzegano University of Medicine and Pharmacy, Cluj-Napoca, Romania. And today we were speaking about an, uh, an anaphylaxis and anesthesia. And there we have invited Professor Paul Michel Mertes from Strasbourg University Hospital, New Civil Hospital, Strasbourg, France. Just to mention uh, a short bio of Professor Mertes, uh, he's professor in anesthesia and intensive care in Strasbourg. He runs the GERAP network of 40 allergoanesthesia centers across France. This cooperation between allergists, anesthetists, and biologists produces epidemiological data, evaluates diagnostic strategies, and provides clinical recommendations. Michel uh, studied uh, anesthetic immediate uh, hypersensitivity reaction for more than 30 years, and his research group investigates the pathophysiology of anaphylaxis and potential novel therapeutic pathways. In the meantime, Michelle is a member of the ESPAR Group Management Board. And with this, we should proceed to our discussion today, Michelle, with your agreement. And I would start by asking, what is a perioperative anaphylaxis? What do you understand by this? Thank you, Daniela. Okay, so perioperative anaphylaxis is a rare but potentially life-threatening hypersensitivity reaction occurring during the perioperative period. It remains a major concern in perioperative care. The challenge for us is not only to rapidly recognize the reaction and to treat it, which is our immediate problem, but also, when it has been resolved, to investigate the reaction, to identify the mechanism of the reactions, the causative agents, and to make recommendations regarding future anesthetics. This second step requires a close collaboration between allergists, biologists, and anesthetists. Thank you for this uh, definition, if I may say so. Now, moving forward to another potential question that audience may have. When we read about anaphylaxis in OR, is the terminology a bit confusing? What do you think about? You're absolutely right, Daniela. This is due to the diversity of the mechanisms of these reactions. Hypersensitivity reactions are divided into non-allergic reactions and allergic reactions. Non-allergic reactions means that the immunological mechanism has been excluded, or whereas allergic reactions are reactions in which an immunological mechanism has been proved or is highly suspected. In allergic reactions, the use of immediate or Ig immediate immediate hypersensitivity reactions refers to the speed of the symptoms, usually between less than one hour, but also two six hour after the exposure to the responsible agent. Delayed reactions occur days or weeks after exposure to the allergen and are usually T cell specific mediated reactions such as contactomatitis or Lyon syndrome. Various definitions have been proposed that describe anaphylaxis either based on the clinical presentation alone or based on both the clinical presentation and the mechanism involved. Allergic anaphylaxis is usually IgE-mediated. Other less 
common non-IgM-mediated clinical presentation, identical to anaphylaxis, are described as non-allergic anaphylaxis. Thank you. Uh, you said these reactions are rare in OR, and literature says the same. What is their frequency, Michel? Uh, first of all, we must keep in mind that these reactions are relatively rare. Um, their rate appears to be quite similar in various countries, estimated around 1 in 10,000 anesthetics in France, in studies from the GERAP network, or uh, from the UK with the NAPSIS study. Incidents appear to be quite similar in Australasia or in the United States. The problem is, on, in fact, the relatively high rate of mortality, whereas these reactions occur in patients who are fully monitored and under the supervision of an anesthesia team, which is trained to deal with emergency situations. Mortality rates have been estimated around 4% in France, the UK, or Japan. This relatively high death rate is likely to be caused by a combination of treatment refractory anaphylaxis, delay in the diagnosis, or insufficient treatment. The morbidity remain, remains largely unknown at that time. Do we have an idea of the main risk factors associated with a poor outcome to come to what you were saying before? Yeah. Yes, Daniela. Several risk factors have been identified. Uh, surprisingly, male gender is a risk factor, while reactions in the operating room are more frequent in women. Other risk factors are more classic, increased age, obesity, increased ASA status, cardiovascular disease, or uh, treatment uh, using beta blockers or angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor. Now, going to the um, um, pathophysiology, or better said, etiology, what are the most frequent responsible drugs or allergen for these reactions? Um, uh, of course, any medication, disinfectant, medical product can be responsible, but the frequency is not similar with all drugs or allergens. Allergic reactions are mainly related to agents given intravenously. It usually occurs after induction of anesthesia, but some reaction can occur at any time of the procedure. Thus, uh, vigilance is uh, essential for the anesthesiologist. The causal agents vary between countries and varies between time. Different factors can probably explain these differences. Modifications to clinical practice, genetic factors, environmental factors, or bias in reporting. Nevertheless, neuromuscular blocking agents, antibiotics are the leading cause in most countries. Reactions to blue dyes have been reported with an increasing frequency in relation with their use in cancer surgery. We also observe an increase in the incidence of chlorhexidine cases reported over the past decade in Denmark, the UK, Belgium, uh, chlorhexidine represents around 10% of the reactions now in the OR in these countries, but remains quite rare in France, where we mainly use the 
powiedzenia jodajnie. What about the reaction to latex? Uh, that have been a great concern over the last uh, decade. What can we say about that? Um, we have some good news regarding latex. The rate of reaction is rapidly decreasing. This is largely due to the efficacy of measures of primary and secondary prevention, which have been instituted. The, the goal of primary prevention is to reduce the risk of sensitization. And this has been successfully achieved by reducing the use of latex in the OR by providing latex-free environment in children's hospitals, particularly for children with spina bifida or multi-operated children. Another important point is also the use of latex of better quality with less soluble allergens and the use of unpowdered latex gloves. Secondary prevention by providing a latex-free environment in patients already sensitized uh, has demonstrated also a remarkable efficacy. And what about the other drugs, hypnotics, opioids, local anesthetics? Um, here in Daniela, we have some good news. Reactions to modern hypnotics or opioids are really infrequent. Reactions to morphine are rarely true allergic reactions, and there is no cross-reactivity reported between morphine and the opioids we use in anesthesia, like fentanyl, sulfentanyl, or remifentanyl. But pay attention to the fact that cross-reactivity between morphine and codeine is frequent. And for the local anesthetics, we have many patients reporting a history of reaction during dental surgery, for example. In reality, true allergic reactions to local anesthetics are extremely rare. Investigation of this reaction is easy for the allergologist. He can perform skin tests uh, and can confirm the negativity of the text by, by a challenge test. An important point for us is to specify which local anesthetic was used at the time of the reaction so that the allergist knows which one he should test. Another very important point, if we will to have good information, is to specify which local anesthetics we wish to use for a nervous block for an epidural. This will allow the uh, allergologist to perform skin tests with this specific anesthetics and uh, occasionally to perform a challenge test to verify the absence of reaction to the, the drug we plan to use. And with regards to hypnotics, one often asked question is the use of propofol in subjects alert to, uh, allergic to soy, egg, or peanuts. What can we say about that? Um, yes, of course, uh, these allergies are really frequent among food allergies, and you are absolutely wise. Right, these questions come up frequently uh, uh, in when such patients have to be anesthetized. In reality, allergies to eggs, soy, or peanut are induced by proteins allergen contained in this food product. Propofol is formulated as an emulsion using refined soybean oil, highly purified egg lecithin, and glycerol. Thus, it didn't contain the allergens toward which the patients are sensitized. We have no direct connection between allergy to propofol and allergy to egg, soy, or peanut, either in adults or children. 
Thus, I think that Propofol can be safely administered to these patients. This is good news. Uh, do we have information regarding anaphylaxis in children, Michel? Uh, yes, we do, uh, but uh, we have less information than with adults, of course. The incidence of anaphylaxis in the pediatric population seems to be lower than in adults, ranging between 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 37,000 anesthetics. The interesting point is that there is no sex difference. And once again, beta-lactam antibiotics, latex and NNBAs are the most common culprits identified in this reaction. And what about anaphylaxis in pregnancy? Uh, information are relatively limited, but we have a good European study uh, which estimates uh, the rate of reactions somewhere between 1.5 to 3.8 per uh, 100,000 pregnancies. Both reactions occur at or around the time of delivery and most commonly during cesarean sections. The maternal anaphylaxis death rate has been estimated at 3.2% in the last study. Uh, the consequences for the newborn can also be severe and um, a neonatal encephalopathy rate is reported in around 14% of cases. And once again, the most common causes are antibiotics and MBAs and latex. Now, coming to the mechanism, the mechanisms of the reaction appear to be complex. Do we have a now a better understanding of these mechanisms? Yes, and you know, we have made some progress. Of course, the classic IgE-mediated mechanism is probably the most frequent. It results in a specific activation of mast cells and basophils. And uh, in this situation, uh, we usually are able to identify the culprit of the reaction. Things are more difficult in uh, other uh, circumstances when um, uh, mass-related J-protein-coupled receptors, so MRJPX2 receptor, which has been identified when complement or other pathways that such as a cyclooxygenase 1, the kinin calicrine system are involved. In this case, it's usually more difficult to identify the culprits because most of our tools to investigate the reactions uh, are designed to identify IgA-mediated drug allergy. And now coming to the diagnosis, how can we recognize that we are facing an anaphylaxis? That's a good question. First of all, uh, uh, we must keep in mind that at this moment, uh, it's a clinical diagnosis. Sometimes the diagnosis can be easy. This is particularly the case in patients who are awake during a spinal or a regional anesthesia or when you inject an antibiotic prior to induction of a general anesthesia. In this case, the patient will usually report early subjective hypersensitivity symptoms palpitations, dizziness, dyspnea, sensation of throat closing, itchiness, or uh, generally feeling unwell. Um, several clinical signs will alert you. Uh, sneezing, urticaria, cough, increased respiratory rate, bronchospasm, tachycardia, hypotension, angioedema, impaired cognition, which are all signs will help you to recognize the situation. 
But our patients are not always awake and thus uh, cannot warn us about their unusual feeling, isn't it? Yes, yes, you are right. So Janus, this can be more difficult when the reactions occur during the induction period, but also when it occurs during the procedure. Changes in the cardiovascular, respiratory, other symptoms are frequent in the OR and can result from the pharmacological effects of our drugs, from manipulation of the airway, from surgical maneuvers, and there are multiple possible differential diagnoses. Um, this is a challenge for the anesthetist. He must interpret quickly in the context all of these factors while simultaneously treating the patient and preventing further deterioration. It's easy to think about an allergic reaction when you observe the generalized urticaria, but in the OR, skin symptoms are frequently masked by droppings, and in severe reactions, skin symptoms can be absent. Indeed, urticaria or rash usually results from the rapid release of histamine by basophilins, and in case of severe reactions, skin perfusion can be reduced and skin symptoms will be missing. And even sometimes a flare will only appear when you are able to increase the blood pressure and to restore your skin perfusion. So what can help us when cutaneous signs are missing? Of course, we, we are dependent on the changes in the monitored respiratory or circulatory parameters. We observe a sudden decrease in blood pressure and increase in heart rate, which is classic findings, but by no means are the only presentation of anaphylaxis. An increase in peak ventilatory airway pressures, a profound reduction in antidal carbon dioxide measurements, reduced oxygen saturations, or difficulty to obtain a reading of signs which must alert the anesthesiologist. And must keep in mind that uh, true perioperative anaphylaxis can present with profound hypotension or even cardiac arrest as a sole symptom. The need for treatment with epinephrine and subsequent evidence of tryptase elevation at the time of the reaction are important factors in the confirming the reality of hypersensitivity. I think that when we observe a severe hypertension at induction, which does not respond rapidly to vasopressor treatment and vascular filling, we must consider the diagnosis of anaphylaxis and refer after the reaction an allergist for an investigation. Uh, time is getting shorter, but however, we need to uh, still say a few, a few things people may be interested in. How should we manage a reaction in OR? Uh, treatment is based on the early administration of epinephrine combined with vascular filling. It must be adapted to the severity of the reaction and to the response to treatment. And I think that the four grade of the ring and Mesmer scale is uh, very efficient to guide the treatment. In the ring and Mesmer classification, grade one reactions are mild and did not require any specific treatment. Where two reactions are moderate, grade three are life-threatening reactions, and grade four correspond to a circulatory or respiratory inefficacy. Um, usually, uh, in the OR, epinephrine will be administered IV 
uh, an initial dose of 10 to 20 microgram titrated to effect for a grade two reaction and in the range of 100 to 200 microgram in grade three reactions. A continuous infusion may be required according to the response and the reaction severity. At least after free reinjection, free bolus, you must start a, a continuous infusion. Red 4 are treated according to the current guidelines for cardiac arrest. I wish to insist on the importance of a very rapid vascular feeling. Um, we realize that it's still insufficiently delivered in the real life. And the use of a second IV line is very useful to achieve rapid volume expansion and is mandatory if you start a continuous infusion of epinephrine. In grade 3 and grade 4 reactions, large volumes of crystalloids up to 30 milliliters per kilogram or more may be required according to the hemodynamic response. The idea is to be able to infuse 500 milliliters uh, um, as a test dose repeated as long as necessary every 5 to 10 minutes. And uh, in, in case of uh, absence of response, you can also consider um, to use colloid. Uh, there are two epinephrine refractory anaphylaxis, and in this case, you can try to use vasopressin or methylen blue as an antioxidant therapy. Um, regarding antihistamines or corticoids, uh, these are really second-line treatment uh, to prevent the recurrence of the reaction, and uh, there is no real uh, evidence for the benefit in reactions induced in zero. And uh, I think this may be probably the last question because of the time concerns. Should we postpone the surgery if the situation is stabilized? Uh, the decision to continue or stop surgery depends on the emergency of the procedure and the severity of the reaction. Urgent surgery, especially for cancer or emergency, should be performed if the situation is controlled. Of course, if an MBAs are suspected, you cannot use any NMBAs. If antibiotics are suspected, you have to go to a different pharmacological class. And uh, if surgery is continued, you have to change your disinfectant and should remove latex from the OR. And uh, uh, this should be probably the last message to our audience. Is, anyth is there anything else that we should be done at the time of the reaction? Yes, absolutely. It is essential to facilitate the investigations that will be conducted by the allergologist. You must take a serum treat test measurement uh, between 30 minutes to two hours after the symptoms onset, and uh, we will compare these levels to basal triptas uh, collected uh, at least 24 hours after the reaction. It is also very important to transmit the anesthetic chart to describe precise timing of the reaction, its treatment, the timing of triptas measurements, and uh, it is uh, also very important to identify all possible allergens. This includes the disinfectant use, the use of sealant, hemostatic devices, for example. Uh, 
Michel, thank you very much. There are many, many things that probably needs to be added to all what we have said before and many questions that people may have. However, we need to close here and I would like to thank uh, everyone for listening this episode. Thank you very much, Professor Mertes, for, uh, for being our uh, guest for this podcast. And uh, the SIEC releases monthly podcasts on the SIEC website and various streaming platforms. We hope you will join us for the next one. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Daniela.